right, let's turn our Bibles together over to 1 Peter chapter 2. And we are going to uh, set up our study with a theme verse out of there in verse 2 of 1 Peter chapter 2, where it says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. I asked the first uh, service people, I asked them how many of them were up for a challenge. They just like a good challenge, raised their hand. Well, about 10% of them raised their hand, so I'm not sure if I want to do that again. But um, there are people who are, are like, they just, give me the challenge, bring it on. They have that, that personality, whatever it is. And other people are like, wait, tell me what the challenge is first, you know, and then I'll let you know. But um, there are certain expectations we find in God's word, certain assumptions from God that he would expect from his followers, that we would talk to him. That's a, that's a given assumption, right? As we go through the word of God, we see the significance, uh, the call to prayer as it talks, to, talks about knowing God, walking with God, following God, growing in our relationship with God. I don't think we've got to sell you on that. You understand that God would want us to follow him and grow spiritually and experience him and experience his strength and his might and his help, that we would follow his lead. All of these things, I think, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. But these things don't just happen to, like, we don't just dawn upon that. These are, these are things that are articulated by God in his word. When we think about... <clears throat> the challenge that God might give us to follow him, he invites us. He's the one who's like, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's an invitation, but he's not going to force salvation on us. And we who are saved, we've had someone maybe share the word of God with us, the gospel with us, where we've recognized we're a sinner, we're in need of salvation, that we come to God on his terms, and we've got to confess to him and give our life to him and we've 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 taken that invitation and we've 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 entered into a relationship with our creator with the one true living god he saved us amen it's a good thing well he saved about a dozen of us amen yeah it's good but now we need to grow we need to begin to to mature and this is something that i think we we need to, to think through as we're moving into yet another year. The, the challenge that we have before us is a challenge that I think God gives to every um, believer, and it's to get to know him. And we want to we lay a practical opportunity that we felt that God has put on our heart for our church. And that is to, to have all of us, men, women, even our children, go through the Bible in 2024. So we've even themed it, had a little fun thing, you've got these handouts, more in 24. More of what? Well, we want to just focus on the Word of God. And so this is the, the theme verse we have as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. That desire for God, okay, if I'm going to know God, it starts there. If I'm going to grow my relationship with God, the, the pursuit of God, following God, all of it starts right there. The spiritual strength and the fortitude that 
God offers me, the wisdom that God offers me starts right there. The godliness that he's called me to be, the, the, the Christ-likeness, knowing the will of God for me, me and Lori, our family, for the church, it all begins right there. Desiring the pure milk of the word that we may grow thereby. So to better whet our appetites on just the word of God and, 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 and to well up our desire for the word of God, I, I went through Psalm 119 and I highlighted a few things. Psalm 119 is 176 verses. It's a, it's a psalm where only three verses out of the 176 do not mention the word of God, either a statute, a testimony, or the word of God. So you have these, these scriptures, scripture after scripture, that's really talking about what the word of God is and, and how it benefits our life. And it's written in a way, in the Hebrew mind, it's written in a way that you would memorize it. I know for us, we're like 176 verses. I don't know if I'm going to memorize that many, but, but they, it's pinned down that way, and it's written by form of an acrostic. And the 176 verses are broken up into eight sections, and each section begins with one particular letter in the Hebrew alphabet. We have 26 letters in the English alphabet. The Hebrew has 22, so it would be like Having, having these 22 sections, and each one of them begins with a corresponding letter of our alphabet. So the first letter would be A, eight verses. Oh, I can remember that. The second letter would be B, a series of eight verses. I can remember that. C, all the way through the alphabet. They do that with the Hebrew alphabet so that they would memorize it. I was talking to a friend who, um, another pastor who ministered with a, a, a ministry that took Bibles into different places. And, and one of them was years ago, they would take them into Vietnam, but it was hard to get them in. They can only get so many in. And so they had, they had people there in Vietnam talking to Christians in churches that had been established in order to find out who really wants Bibles. And they, they were like, not every church really wants Bibles. But there were some who did, and there were more churches that wanted Bibles than Bibles that they could bring in. And so they... They came up with this idea, and they said, we'll give Bibles to the churches where they will memorize God's word. And they chose Psalm 119. And they're like, we know that the people who would, like all these communists and all these people who don't want God's word in, they'll never fake that. They'll never pretend like they are a Christian because they're not going to put in the time to memorize God's word. But those real Christians who are genuine, they naturally want to know God, they will memorize God's word. And that's how they would determine who gets the Bibles and who, who would not. But in this psalm, the psalmist talked about how, there's 170, I'm just going to skim through it, but how he loved the word of God, how he obeyed the word of God, how he meditated on the word of God. He rejoiced in the word of God. He, he was revived by the word of God. He was renewed by the word of God. He saw the word of God as perfect, as blameless, as pure, as righteous, as more valuable than gold or honey. It was his food in verse 103. It was his greatest wealth. 
several times, I believe seven times, he talked about how he learned to delight in the Word of God. It was his pleasure. It was his enjoyment. It's, it's what really satisfied him more than anything else in the world. He says in verse 16, I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. 24, your testimonies are my delight. 35, make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. 47, I will delight myself in your commandments, which I, I love. It almost sounds like Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 15, 16, where Jeremiah says, your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Or Job, as Job would say in Job 23, 12. I have not departed from the commandments of my lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. The psalmist would say in verse 92 and 93, unless the law... Unless your law had been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. That's what he says. He's like, I learned to experience the life-giving power of your word, and that to a degree that it sustained me when I was going through a season of an affliction. It was Martin Luther who said, and I quote, the Bible is not antique, it is not modern, it is eternal. God's word brings life because it is alive. It speaks to me, it has feet, it runs after me, it has hands, it lays hold of me. Let me read the list of things I noticed. <clears throat> that the word of God produced or will produce in our life. Number one, it keeps us clean. Verse nine, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. It gives us joy. Verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. 111, your testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. 162, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. He recognized the fact that the word would guide him in life. 33 and 35, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep them to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. In 105, he says, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. He talked about how the word establishes values in our life in verse 11 and 37. How the word helps us pray effectively in verse 58. How the word gives us hope in verse 49. How the word gives us peace and stability in 165. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. The word gives us victory over sinning. 133, direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. The word gives us abundant life. Verse 93, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. And he starts off that whole 
psalm by talking about how the word brings God's blessing upon our lives. Verses 1 and 2. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. Peter here is writing to a group of believers who were going through a lot. Trials, hardship, difficulties. Some of you might be like really bummed that we're at the last day of 23 because you're like, this has been an amazing year. Others, you are so over 23. You're like, man, let's turn the page as if like all of the problems that you have today are going to be like left today and you're not going to wake up to them tomorrow. You are. It's just a change in the calendar. But it's a good time to have a reset, amen? It just is. As Peter is writing to these people, he will say in chapter 1, first and foremost, as he starts off that letter, he's reminding them of these amazing things that God has done for them. That they are God's elect. That he has chosen you to be his own in chapter 1. That he has begotten us. That we have, all of us have the same eternal inheritance. That we are all God's children called to obedience and holiness. That, that we are redeemed. That we are children of the same family in verse 22. That we've all experienced the same birth, 23 through 25, spiritual birth. And as God's children, we, we all express the same love. In light of all of that, there's some practical things now that we need to be doing. In light of what God has done, in light of who we are in Christ, there's some practical things that we must now do. And he begins that in chapter 2 with the word therefore. Verse 1, therefore laying aside all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking. That's the first thing he says. Then he says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you might grow, spiritually grow thereby. If indeed, referring back to chapter 1 and all the wonderful things that God has done for us, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You would lay aside any evil thoughts or intentions or actions as it relates to Anybody in your life, family, friends, or, or family members, or, or, or the body of Christ, you'd lay aside malice. You'd be truthful. No more devious tactics. No more lying. No more play acting. No more, no more pretending. No more trying to pretend like you're someone that you're really not. That's hypocrisy. Put that aside. No more envying. No more feeling you know, jealous feelings or resentment towards others or what they have or what they, what they do or who they are. And here we go. No more evil speaking. You'll, you'll just, all that gossip comes your way, you won't repeat it. Anything that would just harm another person's character or harm their image in the eyes of others, you just, you won't go there. No cynical comments, no hurtful comments. You just put all of that away. Again, he's focusing here on their spiritual growth. It was Gordon McDonald who said, and I quote, 
The goal of a pastor, a person like myself, a teacher, is not so much numerical growth in the body of Christ. And that's a temptation. Because sometimes the bigger the church, the bigger the ego. Sometimes they're like, hey, let's grow this thing. And we think about more people, more services, more events, more activities. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that necessarily, but to have that as your main focus, Gordon McDonald's like, no, 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 that's not the case. It isn't growing the church numerically. Our focal point should be growing people spiritually. And that should be the focal point in all that we do. Not just me, not just our staff, not just our elders, not just our leaders. That should be our, collectively, as the family of God. We who are all begotten. We who are all been chosen. We who are all now redeemed. That should be the focal point of each of us. To grow spiritually in my walk with Jesus Christ. Listen, and to grow spiritually in my relationship with you. Amen? That was a really weak amen. You agreed with me that it was a weak amen. I like that, yes. And so in order for us to grow spiritually with God and with one another, we must choose to do some things. Put aside those things that hinder spiritual growth. We must choose to continue doing some things that promote spiritual growth. Every Christian needs to be making an effort to be what God has called us to be in our relationship with him and in our relationship to one another. And it begins right here. It, it, it involves what we choose to take in. I want you to think back over 2023. What did you choose to take in? There are some people that have come up to me. I'm not a big movie goer. I don't mind movies if they're clean and fun and all that. But I just, it's the time thing. But they'll go, did you see this movie? And then they'll tell by my response. And they want me to know about the movie. And they know every detail. Like they've seen it ten times. I think some do. And this new Top Gun movie came out. I had one guy who was talking to me. I thought he was Tom Cruise all of a sudden in front of me. It's like, bro, calm down. You sound like Tom. You got a little shorter on me and everything. It's just crazy. What have you taken in? What do you take in? I'll tell you what you take in. What you desire. You know what you're going to take in today and tonight? What you desire. Moving into 2024, what you take in is what you desire. And if you want to grow spiritually, you need to really think through what will grow you spiritually and take that in. Peter says, hey, it's the pure milk of the word of God. And then next week, we're, we're going to talk about taking in the word of God today. And then next week, we're going to talk about practically living that out. But as newborn babes, as newborn babes, we're all children of the same family. He talked about that in chapter, chapter 1. Verse 23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And that just levels the playing field. You didn't save yourself. You, you didn't save anybody. We all have something in common. We were in need of salvation, and God saved us. Amen? He sent his son. 
on a rescue mission and we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ if we're born again and we are born again. Just as, as human birth requires two parents, a mom and a dad, spiritual birth, God, we have the word of God and the spirit of God. Speaking about the role of God's word as it relates to salvation, that's what Peter's talking about here. We've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed. It's pure. It's unadulterated. It's powerful enough that when you believe it, you put your faith in it, it will transform your life. It's God, the Spirit of God, working through the Word of God that, springs, that brings about spiritual regeneration. It's God's desire to save us. Ephesians 1, 4, and 5, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having been predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Salvation. It's God's doing. And in James 1, 8, it says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of God. We were as as Paul describes us, before we were saved, we were dead in a spiritual sense, dead in our trespasses and sins in chapter 2. Dead means devoid of spiritual life. Dead means powerless, powerless to save ourselves. God alone has the power to make alive those who were dead. That's why Paul would say in Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved. What's our part? We, gotta, we, gotta, we have free will. Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. James 1.21, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. When Paul was writing to the church in Thessalonica, that first letter in 1 Thessalonians 2, he was speaking to born-again believers, and he's like, man, since we heard about you guys, like your conversion and what God was doing in you, we, we, we've not stopped you know, praying because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. And Peter is writing to an audience that has already experienced that. They've experienced the pure word of God transforming their Life. They too were receptive to God's word. God's spirit took the word of God and saved them. They were saved. They were born again. They were of the same family. A life-changing power of God's word had been received into receptive hearts. They welcomed it like the Thessalonians for what it was. So this discussion about the word of God is not something foreign to them. It's something familiar to them. And so you've been conceived by the incorruptible word of God. Okay. You're born again. Now as newborn babes. Not calling them spiritual babes, but as newborn 
babies. We are to desire the pure, pure milk of the word of God. Why is that? Because the word of God has life. The word of God grows. It nourishes. You know, you talk to any of these new, new mommies around here, and there's a, there's a, there's a bunch of them. If, if you go out that left-hand door, and you don't go on to the right-hand side of our, our property here, you, you'll miss out on what God is doing. But I just want you to know, there's, this, there's a lot of babies being born in this church right now. You can talk to any of those moms that are carrying these little ones, and you can see they've been up a few times last night. They weren't up just because, you know, I, I just can't sleep. No, there was, a, there was a little life that God gave them, a little baby, that desired something. And the baby desired it so much that the baby would not stop. Oh, oh, some of you had children. Until you give me what I want, what they need. And man, I'll tell you, some of these babies, after a few weeks, you see them around here, you're like, that's not the same baby. They look like little Michelin men. <laughs> they were born with like these really cool features and everything, and all of a sudden they got like three chins. Their little wrists, they got, where's the hand? It's all you know, underneath the wrist, and just, ah. Oh. Because not only did they desire that milk, but they were determined. And they got what they desired. And there's a look to that. There's a look to that. You begin to look and go, that's a healthy baby. And the same is true in the body of Christ. You can tell when a Christian is nourished. You can tell when they've taken in that which grows them or their marriage or their family spiritually. Listen, church. You can tell a church. You can look at a church. Watch how they treat one another. Watch how they talk about one another. Watch what happens when a, when a Christian goes through a storm or a marriage goes through a storm or a Christian family or a church goes through a storm. You can look and tell who's been nourished on the word of God. You can see the stability. You can see the spiritual maturity. And you can see those who have not. And Peter's looking at a bunch of Christians that were going through radical stuff. And I think you all know this world is not getting any better. Can I hear at least a resounding amen on that? Yeah? Okay. You are the people following us through our Bible studies in the book of Revelation. It's not. It's not going to get any easier. And I think it's just very important that we are all that much more determined to build a solid foundation for our walk with Jesus. Build a solid foundation for my relationship with Lori, for my marriage, for my family. And build a solid foundation as members, with members in the body of Christ. I commonly, with our guys in our teaching settings with men, I use this term, three Ds. I could say, good, guys, we're all here. We're, we're all here. We're having a Bible study. It's great. And you're, you're here, hopefully, because you desire, the first D, you desire more, more, more of God's word. You desire the Lord. You're here for him. But 
it's great that you have that desire, but we got to be determined. We want to keep meeting. We got to keep meeting, but we can have all the desire in the world to, to be in the Word and like the desire to read the Word. And I, I'm even determined. I'm here. But unless we're disciplined, we can have all the, the determination and all the desire we want. Unless we're disciplined, we're not going to grow. And I would just encourage you. Again, you just take a second and think about 2023. How disciplined were you as it related to just the Word of God? And you think about the, the, the Bible studies we've went through on Sunday mornings. Think about the Revelation studies we've been through. If I were to say to you, hey, what'd you learn out of chapter one? Who, who was high? In, who were we seeing exalted there in chapter one? As we get into the next couple of chapters and we talk about the churches, those seven churches that Jesus wrote to. Does anything spring? What did he say to the church at Ephesus? Did anything just, oh yeah, I remember that. As we move into chapters four and five of the book of Revelation, we begin to, someone, some people, a people group was called up. Who was that? Called up from where to where? And as we moved into chapter six, and we're moving through this amazing season called the tribulation period, who was that? How much desire, determination, and discipline? Before I started doing this, I realized I, 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 I have a, a memory, but it's tied to visual and audio. I gotta, I gotta listen, and I gotta, I gotta read things over and over and over again. And, and, and so I, I was big on notes, and my handwriting is not the best. You, if you saw my notes, you'd be like, "Who wrote that?" But I can read it. And this is pre, you know, smartphones and tablets and all that stuff. So I, I bought packages of yellow post-its. All my old Bibles, I destroyed them with yellow post-its. I had notes everywhere. As I shaped surfboards, I had yellow post-its everywhere. And all I was writing were things that the Lord would say, remember this. When I read it, it was life-changing. And I've got a little dyslexia thing going. I just have a hard time with my memory. But if I see it over and over and over again, I get it. I, I believe, I'm a believer that repetition is the mother of all learning. And, 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 and the whole idea of even, like, being a Bible teacher was just frightening and, and just so out of my league. But I realized that, that God had began to, to bring people around that just desired him. They, 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 they desired the word of God. And, and I was starting to, like, you know, desire the word of God. And we fell in love with Jesus together. And, and we began to grow and mature by, by learning the word of God together. You know, I, I met Lori, my wife, who'd been married for 36 years, but I met her in like 1985. I know that's hard to believe. I was 16, but, you know, we, we met. Just kidding. It was a joke. Some of you are like, yeah, he does look like him. But when I saw her, we were in a gas station. I'm just going to say it. She looked hot. I desired her. I was like, ah, that girl's hot. And, and, and the guy, you know, I was working for my dad. The guy I was with, he, 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 we get in the truck. We start to drive away. And he goes, hey, I saw you talking to that girl over there. Yeah, she left her gas cap. I was lost. We we're just talking. And he goes, well, what, what, did you get her phone number? I'm like, no, she is really cute. And we pull up at the signal, and she was there at the signal. Red light, boom, we're both at the signal. I so desired her that I got out. I was determined. I got out of the truck. And I walked around, knocked on her window. She's like, oh, no, what's up? 
And I forget if I gave her my number or whatever. She really wanted my phone number, I know. But, you know, it's like, it's a joke. But then I was disciplined enough to call her. And I desired her. And I was determined. But I had to court her. I had to date her. And I was disciplined. We fell in love. And it's a relationship that we continue to invest in. And we have to be disciplined with our time. And what's true in my marriage is true between me and the Lord. And it begins here. What do you desire? As a Christian today, just be honest before the Lord. If that craving for his word has waned and it's not there, just be honest before him. I go through those seasons. You go through those seasons. If you're in one of those seasons, just say, Lord, man, just fan the flame of that desire for you and your word again right now. Notice, Peter does not say if we are newborn babes or when we are newborn babes. He just says as. As a newborn babe, we are to desire the pure milk of the word. It speaks of eagerly, frequently, you see a little baby around here with three chins? Frequently. He's desiring mom's milk. And it's not just, he, he says this with precision. Desire the pure milk of the word. What is that? Unadulterated, untouched, untainted, not modified, not, not watered down, not diluted, not homogenized. It's the pure word. It's the pure word that causes spiritual growth and brings about spiritual maturity. And I don't need to talk much about how it's difficult or becoming more and more difficult in the United States of America today to find churches that are teaching the pure milk of God's word. Teaching the full counsel of God's word. When Peter will write his second letter in chapter 2, he's going to talk about all of these weird heresies that crept into the church. Doctrines that crept into the church. So what should be like pure and holy, the unadulterated truth of God's word, all of a sudden other, the cultural influences begin to creep in and they begin to like, ah, yeah, let's follow that philosophy now. Let's follow that particular view now. And it begin to crep in and penetrate and contaminate, you might say, truth. He would say in verses 1 and 3, he talked about these, these false prophets and teachers. They, they crept in, you know, secretly bringing in destructive heresies. He talked about how they would exploit the people as well. Verse 10, he talked about how they walked according to the flesh. They, they despised authority. They were presumptuous. They were self-willed. They, they spoke of things they themselves really didn't even understand. In verse 13, they were spots and blemishes. Like a, they became like a stain on a shirt. It's just They defiled the church. And they, they, in verse 14, they, they enticed unstable souls. Wow. Christians that were not rooted and grounded in God's word, word began to be influenced by the culture. 
They've forsaken the right way, is what he said in verse 15. And there are a lot of, a lot of people today that we, we're almost surprised when we hear them, but they, they talk about truth as if it's subjective. It's no longer absolute. Truth is based on, you know, an individual's feelings. That's the world we live in now. It's not our world as the body of Christ, but it's the non-believers. A lot of them have bought into this. And so whatever they feel personally to be true, that's, that's what they believe. So if they, 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 they believe to be some other, oh, I'm a different gender now. Or they, well, they want to choose a different pronoun now. That, that, that's what they believe. They feel like they believe that that is absolute truth now and they want you to buy into that and, and to support that. And of course, we can't. Because as Christians, we understand truth. Jesus is truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 160, the entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. There has never been a time or there will ever be a time when God's word is not absolutely true. You know that Jesus prayed that we would be set aside from this world as his followers by the truth of God's word? He prayed that for us. In John 17, verse 16, he prayed about his followers. He's like, Father, they are not of this world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. Set them apart by your truth. Your word is truth. Who we are, what we believe, what we say, what we teach, how we conduct ourselves should line up with God's word. That's what should set us apart from the world. A world that's following their feelings and following philosophies that are opposing God and just challenging the people of God. We have been completely set apart by the truth of God's word. But in order to internalize that, we've got to desire that and be determined and disciplined to take in that. The prophet Amos talked about a day when there would be a famine in the land. In verse 11 of chapter 8, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And that could be there's going to be a time and there's going to be a season in the future where men as myself and, 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 and Christian you know, fathers and grandfathers and, and mothers and just Christians are not sharing God's word. And there's just a famine in the land. It's, it may, maybe they're just talking about all kinds of other stuff, but they're not talking about the unadulterated, pure milk of the word of God. It could also be a reference, as I read this, towards like a thirst for water. Like they're not going to be, the, the, 
Christians aren't going to be thirsting for the word of God. It's going to be a famine, if you will, in regard to that. Paul talked about this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, where he's like, hey, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside than to fables. The word endure there, an echo in the Greek, it speaks of holding up or holding on to sound doctrine. The word sound there is this Greek word, hygienio, and we get our word, you know, basically hygiene from that. It speaks of health. They will not endure sound doctrine. They will, they will turn away from that which is spiritually healthy, that which will make them spiritually healthy, which is the pure milk of God's word. I don't know what you desire. God knows. Peter, in that whole section, had quoted Psalm 34, where it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The idea is come to know him by experiencing him. As I read the word of God, there I have in my calendar, I set, I'm very disciplined with my time and a sense of, of prioritizing what I do. And maybe, maybe a little over the top. But I, I have found that if I don't, if I'm not disciplined with my calendar, then things will just crowd in and all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm way off track. And so I put down on my calendar, it's on my iPad, it's on my computers, it's on my phone, I have... It just, this is, this is where you're going, Lance. I pray about what I'm teaching. I put those studies down. And, and then I have set times on my calendar where I'm just, it's, it's me and the Lord. And I have found that in those moments, those are the times throughout the year where the spiritual attacks are the strongest. Where the distractions are the most frequent. I have found that the mind wandering and, and just whatever, it's, it's that set time that I have for the Lord. But as I've learned to push through, I've realized those distractions, there's a, there's a real enemy out there that just doesn't want me to spend time with the Lord. He doesn't want me to be in love with him. He doesn't want me to grow in my relationship with him. He doesn't want me to be encouraged by him. He doesn't want me to be strengthened by him. He doesn't want me to have his mind. He doesn't want me to see you through the mind of Christ. He doesn't want me to view you through the mind of Christ or act towards you like Christ. So he tries to keep me away from everything that will make me like Christ. He wants me to walk in my own strength. He wants me to get in the flesh. And so when I read, I don't read to read. I'm reading, but I'm reading to connect with him. I'm reading to spend some time with the author. And I need to be more disciplined with that. People who teach on a regular basis, I myself, 
I can fall into the rut of receiving for others. That's okay. You can do that. And there's times that I do do that. But there's times when Jesus is like, Lance, can you just spend some time with me for you? This is for you. And so this year, we just want to encourage you. I don't know what your 24 is going to be like. I don't know what you're currently, like what your life is like. But I can rest assured, and I can say confidently that we all need more of Jesus in 24. It's going to go out on a limb, all right? And I'm going to talk to you as if Peter was talking to you himself. It's like a given assumption. Now that we as believers know what he's done for us, that he's good, and we've benefited from the word of God, let's be like those babies that desire more of mom's milk as it relates to the word of God. And so practically, we've just put a couple of things together as we were praying and and, and talking amongst ourselves as to what we felt would grow our church in 24. And I want you to know, as we had the conversation, we were thinking about numeric growth. We were thinking about spiritual growth. There's a lot of creative things we do and different ministries we have that are designed to, you know, like I think it's really important that retired guys get together with retired guys and have Bible studies together and business owners and mommies. And I think there's, there's some really unique opportunities that God works in those set parts of the church. But there's the body at large. There's, there's the young and old, male, female alike, married, single, whatnot, that we need to find common ground. We need to find our bond in Jesus Christ. And so we've, we've found some great tools to help uh, both for the men's ministry, women's ministry, for the overall ministry, and even for you that have um, children in our children's ministry. We have some tools we want to talk about here that will help you um, go through the Bible in a very uh, doable way in one year. So before Steve comes up and talks a bit, we've got a, we've got a video we're going to show, then Steve's going to tie a bow on this. Can we just pray? I'd like to pray. Lord, um, man... Thank you for an amazing group of people who um, desire you. We know that there are, and there's, there's a lot of stuff um, being thrown at us from the world. and There's even a lot of opportunities, Lord, that, that we have to build relationships as Christians with other Christians. Um, but this is, a, this is a vision we've, we felt that you've given to um, those that call Calvary La Habra home. And um, Lord, we, we, we don't have membership. We're not trying to press people to be part of some sort of membership thing. We're, we're looking at this as your family. And we're, we're already blood-bought, redeemed, chosen children, of God. We have partaken of the incorruptible seed. 
and we're the same. And now you desire that we would grow, and that we would mature as a church. And 2023 has brought in so many you know, new people. The last few years, we've seen such a change in the scope of churches across America, people moving out of the area, people moving in. And, and we just really felt it was important to get us all on the same page with you. Would you bless this, Lord? Would you bless this? Even now, Holy Spirit, stir up our hearts for more of Jesus, more of his word. And may you do amazing things with your children, with your followers, because we've given you that place. With this church, Lord, bless it. Bless Bless Calvary La Habra in this endeavor in 2024. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's watch this video and then we will conclude. We want to thank you for joining us this year. Thanks for coming alongside us as we've served together. And thank you for supporting the work here through giving. We are looking forward to what God is going to do in 24. Our desire is that we grow more together in his word. On January 1st, we are inviting our church to go through the One Year Bible. Our men's and women's ministry will consider what we are learning as we gather in groups. Our youth will also go through the One Year Bible and discuss what they are learning during discipleship gatherings. And finally, our children will be going through a children's One Year Bible with daily Bible stories. You can purchase a one-year Bible at our resource center or in the foyer. You can also download the YouVersion Bible app and join the one-year plan. If you don't have the Bible app, please download from the App Store or Google Play. Once it's downloaded, make your YouVersion account and then search for Calvary La Habra in the search bar. Set it as your church, adjust your privacy settings, and scroll down to the one-year Bible and start the plan. And that's it. You are ready to journey through God's Word with the rest of your church family and friends. May God bless Calvary La Habra as we prioritize His Word in 2024. All right, good morning again. Just real quick, 30 seconds before you guys go. If you're wondering why your internal Lance clock is still ticking, but Lance isn't talking anymore. It's because Lance did something today he rarely does. He cut his message short <laughs> by just a few minutes. I'm glad you guys were sitting down when I told you that. He did it for a reason, though. Uh, we want you guys to spend the time. We're giving you just an extra five or ten minutes or so in the foyer. As you guys leave, we have a ton of resources that will help you develop your plan for the 2024 one year through the Bible. We have different versions. I know you guys all already have your own Bibles, but there's actually a men's version, a women's version, a children's version out there that will help keep you scheduled and disciplined to get through 2024 for that. Uh, if you don't want to use one of those, we also have smart young people that are going to help you download it onto your phone so you can make sure that you're dialed in on the version app as well. So please spend the time, grab a cup of coffee, spend five minutes in the foyer, and get your plan, set yourself up for success on the one-year Bible for 2024. God bless. Happy New Year.